Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone, and happy Sunday. Well, it's a a new month, and we're starting out on a new book that we'll drive some uh, inspiration from. This month, it's Jen Sincero's You Are a Badass. And I think we're going to have some fun. You can tell by the title that she has a a wonderful sense of humor, and it's a a book full of anecdotes, full of uh, stories from her life and other people's lives. But of course, uh, more than anything else, it's a book filled with spiritual principles. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but I think one place to start out is by actually uh, reading from the premise here, the, the introduction, what she says this book is intended to do. She says, this book is about getting mighty clear about what makes you happy and what makes you feel most alive, and then creating it instead of pretending you can't have it or that you don't deserve it, or that you're greedy, uh, egomanical fathead for wanting more than you already have, or listening to what Dad and Aunt Mary think you should be doing. It's about having the, the cojones to show up as the brightest, happiest, badassiest version of yourself, and you get to define what that is. The good news is that in order to do this, All you need to do is make one simple shift. You need to go from wanting to change your life to deciding to change your life. And so I think we're going to have some fun with this book. Uh, You know, I'm not one to to sell books, but this one is an easy read, and there's a link to it on our website if you want to order it and follow along as we progress. Where I want to start today, though, is as a child, gosh, I had a love of movies. And and I was never happier than when I was finally old enough to be allowed to stay up and watch the creature features. Here in the Pacific Northwest, usually Friday and Saturday nights around 10 o'clock, uh, they'd start showing these uh, crazy old black and white science fiction and horror movies. Everything from the early Catwoman and The Thing. I still remember watching it with this little girl and giant spiders swarming over the Arizona desert. And 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 typically what would happen, my parents would go to bed around 10 o'clock and the creature features would come on and I'd get so excited sitting on the sofa. But you know, I was probably only about 10 or 11 years old. And so by about 10.30, I was starting to, to not only pay attention to what was going on on the movie screen, you know, whether it was James Garner pretending to be the thing or whatever it was, uh, but pretty soon... I'd start quieting down, and before you know it, I was half asleep, and suddenly I would hear, Wake up! Hey, wake up! <laughs> Play it again one more time, Jim. Wake up! Hey, wake up! <laughs> we had the craziest thing going on TV Channel 12 back when I was a kid. There was this really nutty guy selling furniture called Tom Peterson. And right in the middle of the creature feature, the commercial would come on. And he knew that half of us rightfully had fallen asleep. And so it looked like he was pounding on the inside of the TV telling us to wake up. Well, the premise of the first part of the book that we're going to be using this month is based on that idea 
that most of us, for a good part of our time, are asleep. And she actually brings up two, uh, two principles, two life principles that support this idea of us being asleep. And so I want to cover those two principles as well as a spiritual principle that can help us wake up, that can help us really move forward to the lives of, uh, of really limitless power and joy that we can experience. So the first of these concepts has to do with us going through life asleep. And here's what it says. Your subconscious mind doesn't think, but it controls most of what you do. And your conscious mind thinks, but almost always defers to your subconscious mind. So let me tell you that again. It's a big mouthful. Let me unpack it. Your subconscious mind, it doesn't think. It just is. It's your instinct. It's your. It's what your gut reaction thing is. So your subconscious mind doesn't think but yet it actually controls most of what you do. Now, your conscious mind does think, but it almost always defers to your subconscious. Well, let me give you an example. So so we work uh, pretty much in downtown Portland, and when I have uh, office hours, we're just right across the river, basically, from the, the main part of downtown Portland, Oregon. And so uh, on my way home, I get on the freeway and pass a few freeway exits. And not long ago, I had decided that I was going to stop at a Safeway store just over the river in, uh, in another part of uh, Portland from where I live. And so I'm on the freeway, and of course, you know, it's rush hour, and things are kind of slow, and I'm sort of thinking of other things, and uh, I realized I was pulling into my driveway, right? My subconscious mind had taken over, completely bypassed the exit to go across the bridge to the Safeway store, and my subconscious perfectly capable apparently of driving the car even in rush hour traffic right i was on automatic pilot i was asleep essentially and my subconscious had taken over this is a problem right if a lot of the time we allow our subconscious to take over our our unconscious nature what's going to happen well Much in the same way that I found myself in the driveway, that's the pattern, right? When I finish up my job here, when I have office hours at the center, next I wind up at home. And if I don't think consciously about it, that's what's going to happen. What if I were to tell you that 80% of the time you make your decisions subconsciously? What are you going to wear today? What route are you going to take to the office? What, what are you going to say to people at the office? How are you going to do your job? Uh, what are you going to eat at lunchtime? And if you do go out to eat at lunchtime, what restaurants are you going to go to? Do you go to a, a different one every time? Do you, do you order different food every time? Probably not, unless you're set out to do something differently. Almost all the time, 80% of the time, you will allow your past choices, your subconscious mind, to move you forward. So that's the first of these life principles that is telling us why 
Our lives are the way we are. Have you heard the expression, how are you doing same old, same old, right? Have you heard that kind of crazy expression? Oh, just the same old, same old. There's someone that even understands that they're allowing their subconscious mind to mostly control what their life is doing. It's just a repeat of what we have done before. So that's the first life principle that explains how our lives are the way they are. They are the way they are because it's more of what we've done before. But the second life principle that she talks about in this book is is equally a good one. And I think to get started, uh, well, I don't have a joke for you, but I do have something interesting. We're going to be talking about the ideas of what we believe and the idea maybe of false beliefs. And I think most of you are familiar with the idea of some of the superstitions we have, right? Everybody knows that breaking a mirror gives you seven years of bad luck, right? And have you actually noticed people pay attention to these things sometimes in extravagant and expensive ways? For instance, there is probably not a skyscraper in Manhattan that has a 13th floor. And if you've ever checked into a motel, try asking for room number 13, and they will probably tell you there isn't one. People grow to great expense in the housing industry to make sure that the house numbers aren't like 1313. Instead, they'll bump it up to, to 1315 or something else to avoid the number 13. We go to a huge expense, and I would say to you, well, isn't that just a superstition? And yet, we act upon that false belief. In fact, I bet some of you are even saying, well, no, Larry, 13 is unlucky, right? Some of us have really bought into it, even though there's no statistical meaning to the number 13. It is in our subconscious that 13 is an unlucky number. Let me tell you, though, some of the other uh, superstitions, some of the other thoughts that exist in the world. In India, for instance, a solar eclipse, everybody goes inside. You know why? Because there's a belief that during eclipse, the sun's rays are harmful. In Japan, stabbing your chopsticks straight up into your bowl of rice causes the whole dinner table to come to a stop. The chopsticks, when they're in this position, look like the number four, which when pronounced in Japanese is the symbol of death. In Russia, carrying an empty bucket or even seeing someone carrying an empty bucket is a bad omen. People will walk across the street to avoid coming uh, towards them with an empty bucket. In Lithuania, you can't whistle indoors because it summons demons into the house. In the Philippines, it's believed that the color red will attract lightning in a thunderstorm. In Korea, if you're pregnant, you have to eat perfectly symmetrical foods if you want your baby to come out looking beautiful. And this is my favorite one because they actually put it into law. In 1933 in Syria, they legally banned yo-yos because they were thought to cause or prolong droughts. So are you ready for the next life principle? The next life principle is that you are living in an illusion based on someone else's beliefs. You are living in an illusion largely based on someone else's beliefs. Most of what you believe 
you have not actually proven or witnessed yourself. Most of what you believe to be true, you were told by your parents, by schools, by Madison Avenue, by advertising, by friends, by the news media, most of what you believe to be true. Now, I'm not saying that that a good deal of it isn't true, but what I am saying is that almost all of what you know and believe to be true, you were simply told in the same way that you were told the number 13 was an unlucky number. Have you actually had experiences on, on Friday the 13th that were somehow extraordinarily different than on any other day? Have, have you, you know, avoided writing checks when the check number was 13, right? Is this part of your experience? I doubt it. It's simply something that you were told. But what have you been told? Oh my gosh, you have been told the most limiting things in your lives. You've been told that maybe you weren't smart enough to get a college degree. You've been told that maybe you weren't attractive enough to uh, to find a partner. You've been told that uh, your cooking skills aren't what they ought to be or that your singing skills could be improved upon. You've been told any number of things that have allowed you to diminish, demean, and make yourselves less than what you are. You know, for many years I had foster kids, and one of the things I especially loved about young foster kids is that many of them hadn't been told that they couldn't do things yet. <laughs> do you know what I mean? When you approach very young people, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a nuclear physicist, right? I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be whatever it is, and they have the most amazing goals. I still remember one uh, young woman that I took care of, uh, I'm going to be a veterinarian and i i had to even think it myself knowing her her background and some of the medications that she was on and i i had been told to expect her to be less than in so many ways it was hard for me to see that she could possibly be a veterinarian someday knowing the education level and the training and the money to go to school and all of those things uh, when i caught uh, a hold of her in in uh, foster care i thought to myself i i i have to admit i thought to myself what is the likelihood could that could happen but she hadn't been told that yet she still felt that her possibilities were unlimited And appropriately so, because her possibilities were unlimited. And I was pleased to see not too long ago, you know, 15 years later, she is a veterinary tech at one of the the vet hospitals down in Salem. So what I do know is that so much of our our limitation in life is self-imposed, but through the agencies of the outside. One of the things that I thought was interesting, as part of ministerial school, they have a kind of a mini marketing class for us. And and in the class that I took anyway, they had some of the things that are just totally made up in the world. For instance, did you know, almost only in America do we feel that human beings smell bad? 
I think it was back in the 40s, some pharmaceutical company or some chemical company decided, why don't we sell deodorant? Why don't we, why don't we sell uh, the ability for people to, to smell unlike that we normally do? And of course, people were already familiar with the idea of perfume and cologne, but they had this idea, if we convince people that naturally they smell bad, they'll want to cover it up. How terribly successful, right? Have you wandered down the, the cosmetic aisle in the grocery store lately? Racks and racks of deodorant. You're not going to see that in most other countries in the world. Most other countries in the world think that we smell just fine on our own. It was completely made up. What else has been made up and sits right in the middle of my subconscious mind, creating a world that I'm less than I could be, that I'm worried about how I smell, that I think that I'm not smart enough to do certain things or, or not clever enough to practice and train to do other things. What, what is limiting me as who I am and, and what I think of myself? Well, luckily, the book also mentioned a third principle. And gosh, this is one we're super familiar with. So the idea here, she talks about it as a law of vibration. And some of you may remember the idea of vibration from ancient hermetic teachings. One of the spiritual principles uh, called vibration is what we put out returns to us. And in fact, we even covered that a few months ago with, with one of our other books. But she talks about it really in terms of vibration is made up of our conscious thoughts. And how do our, how is our unconscious formulated? It comes from repetition enough of our conscious thought. So we have the power over our unconscious or our subconscious through our consciousness. Let me give you an example, though. I know I'm throwing out words that we don't use every day, and I think an example would be better. So remember my story about ending up back in my own driveway instead of at the Safeway store. What I know is that was my unconscious or subconscious helping me to get home because that was what I do most often. It was a pattern built up in my unconscious, and when I wasn't consciously thinking about it, that's what happened. What if, though, what if every day after work, I drove to that Safeway store? What if maybe 10 or 20 times in a row, I drove myself to the Safeway store instead? I've actually built a new pattern in my unconscious. I have changed my thinking. First of all, my conscious brain had to say, nope, 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 pay attention here. We're going to take the exit to go to the Safeway store. And the next day, wait, 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 pay attention here. <laughs> my, my consciousness is going, we're headed to Safeway, not home Safeway. The third day and the fourth day, and pretty soon I'm not even thinking about it anymore, right? Because my subconscious equally knows how to take the exit to go to the Safeway store. Well, that is how we actually change our thinking. You know, here in the science of mind, the teaching of Ernest Holmes, we're familiar with the idea of changing your thinking to change your life. Well, this book actually tells us how we go about doing it. One of the ways, because of those two principles of life, one of the ways we can wake up 
One of the ways that we can train our subconscious into a new way of thinking, a new set of beliefs about ourselves and the world is by focusing our consciousness on it with some repetition. Now, some of you who've had the foundations class and other classes here at Center for Spiritual Living here in Portland know that we teach things like affirmative prayer. We teach things like affirmations. Think, for instance, for about an affirmation, a statement of truth, something that you would like to believe to be true. Now, in the beginning, your subconscious might not believe it at all. Maybe, maybe your affirmation is, I am whole and healthy and filled with vitality. Well, the first time you say that, there may be a little subconscious voice in your head that says, yeah, Larry, you know, but you're getting close to 70 and you've slowed down a lot. And there are a few things here and there that could be improved upon, right? That little voice might say, well, whole and perfect, that's interesting. Plenty of vitality. I wish it were true. That's your subconscious. That's what's going on in your head that's apt to move you forward. But if consciously you repeat things as you would wish them to be, I am whole, I am healthy, I am filled with energy, I am whole, I'm healthy, I'm perfect, I'm vigorous, I am filled with energy, with repetition that finds its way into your subconscious, and with enough oomph, with enough feeling, with enough repetition, you will build new pathways in your subconscious and that will be the truth of you. Then when it says that other principle of life that we talked about, your subconscious mind doesn't think, but it controls most of what you do. When your subconscious mind knows the truth of who you are, then that's what's going to be acted out. You don't have to think about how fun it would be to go for a nice hike in the woods. It's just part of who you are. You don't have to positively think about eating healthy anymore because you are the person who eats healthily. Does it make sense? That's how we we go from the the conscious mind where we do have to put some mental thought into it. What do I really want to achieve? What are the possibilities that I want to uh, seize on? Uh, How would I like myself to be? That's how we pass that on then to the subconscious part of us that actually controls most of what we do. So it's really a good news story, not a bad news story. I know some of you were thinking, oh my God, Larry, this sounds nightmarish. I'm trapped in a dream that someone else has made up and there's no way out of it. But there is the most fabulous way out of it. It is simply through your own thinking. The more you affirm the truth of really who you are, that person who has perhaps never been told they can't do things. Remember the story of of my young foster child, right? She didn't know she couldn't be a veterinarian. What if you rewire your own thinking for success, for love, for achievement, for your own dream? It might even be what seems like an impossible dream, but it doesn't have to be so. You are the one, ultimately, who either puts a limit on yourself or who is free to see the endless possibilities of life itself. 
So in summary today, we covered three key concepts that we can use to really take charge of our lives. The first one, your subconscious mind makes most of your decisions. So we need to reprogram that subconscious self so that when we are partially asleep, we're still headed towards the goals we want. We know that a lot of our activity, perhaps as much as 80%, is controlled by that subconscious, so we want a healthy subconscious. And how do we do that? We do that by using our conscious mind with repetition and with feeling to be reoriented along the lines that we want to achieve, whether it be more love, more light, more joy, more peace, or more health. When we stick to that, when we affirm that, when we practice that, ultimately it becomes the patterns of our subconscious. Ultimately, it will bring us success. The other part that we talked about today is that when we're asleep, we're living in an illusion based on someone else's beliefs. So we're full of those, uh, those nonsense things, you know, full of beliefs like Friday the 13th, full of beliefs that you're not good enough or that you're unlucky or that you're unwelcome or that the conversation with your boss is going to go bad because they always do, right? We're full of those false beliefs. How do we replace them? Again, we do it by affirming the truth of what we want. It's how that law of vibration works. It's how that idea of our thoughts become things. The more we consciously think of the good life, the more ultimately we will be able to have the good life right here for us. It's simply the way it works. All right, I want to close today with a, a quote from the book. You are, oh, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh, you almost escaped without homework. No way. Back up. Back up. we got to do a little bit of homework today. One of the ways that you can tell that your conscious and your subconscious minds are out of sync is when you run up against difficulties. When you say to yourself, oh, my gosh, that's not how I thought this would go right? That's your subconscious leading you into one direction, and it's surprising your consciousness, right? Your conscious self is going, wait a minute, there's no reason I can't do this, and suddenly you can't do it. So that is your assignment for this week. I'd like you to notice where your conscious mind is having problems with where your unconscious mind is leading you that dissonance between what you want to observe and what you find yourself doing and experiencing in the world. And that's all I'm going to ask you. Next week, we're going to build on that. This week, I just want you to notice the places where you do have those false beliefs, those places where the way you would like to see the world is not matching up with how you're fitting in the world. Okay, now on to a reading from You Are a Badass uh, from Jen Sincero. She says, you are perfect. To think anything less is as pointless as a river thinking that it's got too many curves or that it moves too slowly or that it's rapids or too rapid. Says who? You're on a journey with no definable beginning, middle, or end. There are no wrong twists and turns. There is just you being. And your job is to be as much you as you can be. This is why you're here to shy away from the you who you truly are would leave the world you-less. 
You are the only one. You're the only you that there is. The only you that will ever be. Do not deny the world its one and only chance at you. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one peace. There is just this one thing, and what I know about it is that it is everywhere and everything. Truly, God, all there is. And so for this day, I internalize that. I know that God's love is mine. I know that God's joy is mine. I know that the, the beauty of the world, the abundance of the world, the, the peace of the world, all of that that is within the purview of God is also me because I'm right in the middle of it. And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone. Each of us has that capability. Each of us has availability of the good life because the good life is God's life. And God's life is our life right now. And I'm grateful for this. I release my prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here. Such a pleasure to have you here today. Uh, it is our time of conscious giving. I invite you maybe to go on to your PayPal account or uh, you can go to our website at cslportland.org slash donate. There's a variety of ways there that you can, uh, you can send us a check. You can uh, uh, use a credit card. Uh, truly, it's our great pleasure to receive your gifts and to, to make this teaching, this worldwide teaching, ever more available to others who benefit from it. Bless you for your gifts. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.